Every t-shirt tells a story. There's no better time than now to create a custom-designed t-shirt and make a difference. Our friends at Underground Printing make it easier than ever to start a t-shirt fundraiser for your charity, school, business, or any cause you support. All you have to do is design your shirt, share why you are raising, and then share your campaign. They will ship the orders direct and send along the funds you raise. Underground actually created the I Am Norman t-shirts, which supported the United Way of Norman, and it was very easy to set up. Just visit pogo.undergroundshirts.com to learn more about how you can create your own t-shirt fundraiser today. That's pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hello and welcome to I Am Norman, a podcast about the great city of Norman, Oklahoma. Well, I'm originally a Normanite. I'm a Norman girl. I've always looked at Norman as just a fabulous place. I had a great childhood here. And I am a Norman girl. I mean, born and raised from day one, Norman, Oklahoma. I haven't lived anywhere as long as I've lived here. So I call Norman home now, and it's a, it's a great place to live. I'm Zach Logsdon, and I hope you'll join me each episode as we hear the stories of the amazing people, businesses, philanthropies, and upcoming events in Norman, and what makes our big little city so great. I love that in Norman, I am part of something that's so much bigger than me. I just think that the people here in Norman are extremely generous. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Nothing loves anything the way Norman loves Norman. The I Am Norman podcast is brought to you by Norman Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. When your home or business needs cold air or hot water, Call Norman Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing at 405-823-9641 or visit them online at normanair.com. Hello, Normanites, and welcome to another episode of the I Am Norman podcast. Thanks so much for joining us once again. Today, we have with us, uh, very excited about this uh, conversation about to have, Bart Keaton, Executive Director and Founder of Engage Learning. Bart, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, thank you, Zach. I'm excited to have this opportunity. So start off, I will get, we'll get deep into what engaged learning is, but before we do that, uh, tell us about you. Tell us about your, your, you, your, your family, your history with Norman, Oklahoma, how you got here, all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, uh, I mean, that's incredibly important to me. Um, yeah, we've got two boys, uh, eight and, or almost eight and just turned five, uh, and they'll both be at McKinley this fall. And we've been in Norman about five years. And I say we, uh, their mom's the reason we came here. Uh, Jill had gotten the job as a professor over at OU. And that brought us from outside Washington, D.C. about five years ago to Norman. And I never imagined that I would enjoy living in a place as much as I do. I mean, this is a remarkable place to raise a family. And the boys think of it as home. And even though I think we're both, you know, far away, their parents are far away from our families we just felt incredibly welcomed here and at home here. So uh, that's just been such a blessing, I think, for us. The, I kept my job. I was working in the intelligence community at the time in D.C., and I was flying back and forth, and Liam had just been born. And that's kind of the motivation to get to our bigger conversation of 
what started me thinking of how can I take, you know, whatever abilities I thought I had or experience I had or skill set uh, I thought I might have and, and put all of that together to do something that might have an impact with what mattered most to me, which was education. So even though I'd found myself in a lot of different fields, it always came back to, uh, to kids and to students and how we can uh, essentially create some really innovative ways for how kids can learn. Well, yeah, like you said, we will get into that to that conversation. But before we do, I, I, you know, I want to hear a little bit more about you. You say you um, you you came here from just outside D.C. Uh, where are you guys from originally? Originally, I grew up in Northern Virginia, and I'd spent most of my life in Virginia or North or North Carolina. I'd been a, a grad student uh, down at Duke for a long time. Uh, and then my spouse was from Mississippi, but she had been at Duke as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'd been in North Carolina and then moved back up to D.C. where she finished her dissertation and her I uh, worked for the IC, like I said. So it had been up around uh, my family, which was fantastic, uh, especially with a newborn mm-hmm. and spent about six years there outside D.C. and just enjoying uh, that life and being close to family and, and raising our first son and then a few years later having our second so you lived in in some very beautiful parts of the country and and, and country that is uh, um, quite a bit different than than here. Not to say that that Norman's not beautiful. It's just it's, it's just different. You know, D.C. obviously a heavily populated area, uh, but uh, but you're here and uh, you know, by your own admission, you you like it quite a bit. Uh, talk a little bit more about I guess the the you know. The, the differences a, a, between here and, and where you're used to and, and what makes it special to you? What, what makes it a place that you enjoy so much uh, living? Yeah. I and mean, that's a, one of my favorite topics, actually. Uh, we were big fans of, uh, like I said, Northern Virginia, we loved North Carolina and it's a, a great opportunity to go back and, and visit family there. Both my brothers are there with their families. Uh, but my dad was from Arkansas and so was my mom. So that was uh, where the roots were. And that's where we would go when we, my brothers and I were boys in the summer. We'd go to camp there, visit grandparents. So this didn't feel, in, in Norman, Oklahoma, did not feel all that different from what I was accustomed to uh, coming up, at least when I was younger. Uh, one of the really nice things about coming here was the how welcome I think we felt. I mean, I was a outsider with no friends outside of, you know, the few connections that my spouse had made uh, with uh, with her work, and I was still, you know, commuting back to D.C. or making, you know, being on the phone all day long, and that's where my friends were, my network was. But as soon as I started to connect with folks, both through the kids' school and in other ways, my goodness, uh, the friendliness, uh, the openness, the and then when I came up with this crazy idea for a nonprofit, the hey, how what can I do to help? Hmm. You know, that sounds like that can have an impact. How can I help you? Or maybe. Hey, there's someone I know, or here's three people I know who might be able to help some way with that. Let me give you their phone number. Here's their email. I'm going to make a call for you. I'd never experienced anything like that before. And it was so overwhelmingly uh, welcoming. And it also kind of confirmed that, man, this is the right time to try to do something uh, powerful and different. So I think besides a great place to raise a family and the encouragement of the folks that I was lucky enough to meet and still meet, uh, I think just the, the school system, I mean, we've just been really fortunate, both, you know, the kids, mom and I are, are think of ourselves as educators and they have come to a place where we feel like that the public school system is valued. I mean, I was a public school kid and really think that's a, a powerful institution that's part of 
our democracy and in just really deep and uh, meaningful ways. And just to be in a place that it seems like the belief is similar means a lot to me. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, we've had uh, the superintendent on, on the show and one of the teachers from Norman Public Schools and and uh, use this as an opportunity to give another shout out to them for all they do. The, the Norman Public School system, just just outstanding and one of the pride points uh, for, for us, for sure. Uh, let's let's get into your nonprofit. You mentioned it. Uh, it's called Engage Learning. Uh, your website states that your mission is to transform students into problem seekers who have the creative confidence and tenacity to find unique solutions for the current and future problems facing our world. What does that mean, and how how do you execute that mission? Man, that's a great question. Uh, it's also a lot of words for mission statement, but <laughs> to, to narrow it down from my perspective, it's all about student agency. I mean, what we are so interested in and so motivated by, when I say we, I mean, there's 12 on staff this summer, and, uh, and what gets us up every morning is kind of thinking about the, what kind of people we hope to help shape. We hope to have some hand in creating and working backwards from there, you know, how to create those flashpoints through a learning experience where that young woman or that young man might have a chance to see that she is far more capable than she thinks she is. Uh, he's far more creative than he had ever imagined and that they have a way of impacting and shaping their surroundings and uh, much more dramatically than they probably would have considered at 11 years old, 12 years old, seven years old, 16 years old. And I'll give you a few examples. Please um, our, our very first project, and I'm going to talk about Norman Public Schools a lot, I think, the next few minutes. Uh, but the vision was, hey, how do we work with a small group of kids? So we pick six middle school students uh, with a couple teachers who are passionate educators. So they were also from Alcott. So six seventh graders, Brian Toomey and Brad Talley from Alcott at the time. This was five years ago or four years ago. And then give them a challenge that nobody thinks they're going to be successful with. So that first project, which is the final completed version is over at Norman High School right now, but was design and build a solar powered charging station for cell phones. So you got two weeks to do it. This is August 2016, wow. and we're going to give you all the support in the world, but we're going to let you fail. Uh, we're going to let you mess up. We're going to make you figure it out, and we're going to support you in any way we can. So kind of this uh, relatively flat dynamic of the teachers being right there with the students. So we worked together about six hours a day. This was over at the Innovation Hub at OU before they'd opened up. So they had a few tools and they had some really brilliant staff, but they were still, you know, putting everything together. And they said they welcomed us in as a partner and said, yeah, you can do your project here. And in two weeks, those students went from conception to a whole lot of different ideas to picking the design they wanted to work on to learning enough CAD, computer uh, automated design to do a CAD illustration of it. And then to build the vast majority of that structure. There's a steel understructure to it that uh, they, they, they did not construct just because of the difficulty and some of the risk involved in that. But they did the wood, uh, they did the circuitry, everything else. So uh, it's kind of a really modernistic looking oval gazebo that uh, the front of it, if you back up, looks like a light bulb, the entranceway. And you're able to plug in your cell phone under the bench there if you wanted to and a, a cell, a big cell up on top. Uh, so just a, a neat, neat project that those seventh graders, I mean, guess they were 11 years old at the time. And they yeah. came up with this and executed it. And one of the, a couple highlights of that, you know, besides the fact that the teachers uh, both said all along the way and afterward, like, this is the most powerful learning I've ever seen happen. How can we do more of this? 
And that was super encouraging. And both Brian and Brad are still involved with this this summer. But the second day, uh, this one student named Hunter, who had recently moved to Norman, he came in, or maybe it was the third day, he came in and said, hey, I stayed up all night. I taught myself this uh, program online to draw in CAD. Here's a diagram of what we've been talking about. Do you think this will work? Oh, wow. And we looked at it, and we looked at each other, and we're like, first of all, what are you doing staying up all night in August? Second of all, this is like 90% there. Like, you've got it. He had figured this out, and this guy's 11, you know? And, but no one had asked him to do anything that significant before. And he found within himself the skill set, the energy, and the commitment to just see that through. So, and I think you could say that of any one of those six students, hmm. uh, all of whom ended up going to Norman High School, so they got to see that thing uh, every day. Hunter has since he's graduated a year early, and I think he got a, a ride to either Texas Tech or I forgot exactly what it was. But man, super cool kid, and and his mom would told me that this was, and I don't know if this is true, but it's still been encouraging ever since. You know, she sent me a text and just said that project was the fire uh, that kept him going the next four years, and and that's not going to be the case with every student we have a chance to work with on a project level. But just the fact that it had that kind of impact on that one student, and I think maybe all of that original group would say something similar, encouraged us to say, well, let's try this again. That's really, I mean, just just amazing. Um, I, I'm fascinated by by that and what you're doing. Where, where did the idea come from to to, to start this? You, you, you uh, it, this isn't. You, you said you worked in intelligence, uh, yeah. But uh, how, how how did this idea pop in your head uh, sure. to, to even be something to want to start? Uh, it was probably a combination of things. It was just putting together kind of pieces of my history and experience. And honestly, what we're doing really isn't anything new. I mean, it's a lot when we're, those in-person projects, like the one I just described, and we'll get a chance to talk about all the different things Engage is doing these days. Uh, but that's just project-based learning. It's been around for a long time. Everybody knows it works. It's just really hard to pull off because it takes a lot of planning. It sometimes can be expensive. It's often way more hours from the teacher perspective or the facilitator's perspective uh, than folks are getting paid to do. So it's a, it's a challenging thing to do within the school system. Some schools can pull it off really well. High Tech High over in California does a remarkable job of, of doing this. We just decided to give it a shot. Uh, but the history, to get more to your question, is uh, when I was teaching college students uh, in Durham, I would assign semester-long projects, and they'd have a lot of agency in deciding what that project was going to be. And just like the literature tells us, once they got to pick something they were passionate about, oh my gosh, the time and investment they would put into something that they really cared about was remarkable. And it was just jaw-dropping and inspiring about the time the semester wrapped up, uh, how much fun they had, but almost how, but also how much they had learned. And sometimes it would completely, uh, it would cause them to completely pivot a career path and say, this was so exciting for me. This was so interesting to me. I want to be a music producer. I want to be an architect. I had no idea what my future was, but now I got it. And we've, a lot of us have had these experiences, but usually they're accidental. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the vision for Engage is how do we create a context where the odds of this kind of flashpoint moment for a student, this pivot moment, this eye-opening, hey, not only am I capable, I'm, this is what I'm passionate about, are going to happen. We can't make it happen, but we can maybe create a more target-rich environment for that sort of uh, sort of opportunity. Um, after 
teaching college students. I was uh, with the intelligence community. And a lot of my experience there was finding innovative ways to bring expertise together to help the IC solve some of their really difficult problems. And that helped me understand that being an outsider, I had no background in European issues, Russia issues, Turkey issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had no, uh, no proclivities to even to be an expert in that field. But as an outsider, I think having a different perspective of bringing the right people together, getting the folks excited about solving these problems, or at least coming up with some uh, ways to be thinking about them differently and more productively, that I could do. And then the power of working in small teams was incredibly uh, effective for our mission, but also uh, just something that I noticed, that, well, we can do this at this level. I've seen this work at the college level. Where is the need the greatest? Those new kids are fine. You know, they don't, they don't need this so much. They're, they've already had enough good fortune and, and hard work that they're going to be okay. But let's bring this down to the level where it could really be changing some lives potentially. And that seemed to be that middle school, that upper elementary school level. And then I just happened to find myself uh, after we moved in a place where there was all kind of opportunity uh, as far as education goes to do something new and different. So you you mentioned pivoting. You you mentioned uh, you know the, the, and you talked about the projects that you have going on now. So let's let's pivot the conversation yeah. and talk about that. Sure. It is really exciting. Uh, Autumn McMahon is the is who was appeared on the show uh, before uh, connected us, and and she. Um, she kind of teed up what we're what we're about to talk about, and just sounds really really cool. Uh, so, talk about this new initiative, what you got going on now, and what what that's all about. Sure, um, and I think Autumn probably mentioned to you uh, the fact that so back in March uh, and even in late February we saw it coming. And this is just part of what we're doing now, but it's a really important part. We think we've been able to. Uh, we've been grateful, I should say, to be able to have an impact with this, is we have uh, a lot of 3D printing expertise when digital manufacturing, uh, digital fabrication is part of what we do. Uh, and it's part of what we do in our small teams, but also some of the classes we teach uh, or camps we have. So we have an array of 3D printers. We have just massive expertise on staff, uh, you know, decades worth when you add it all up. And using this technology. So when we saw that there was a shortage of PPE around Oklahoma, and that was probably going to last for a while, where there were some ideas floating around open source about uh, face screen PPE masks. And these aren't the masks that a lot of us are wearing now over our mouths, which is kind of this a clear visor screen, usually in the medical community. We thought, well, my goodness, we can print those frames. And, and we partner with Allied Plastics and OKC for all kind of projects. They can do the plastic screen part. And we've got you know, automated gasket, he does uh, all kinds of stuff with cutting and rubber. They can do the strap. And then MD Home Products, well, they can help us with some foam and get that together. Mm-hmm. So within a couple of weeks, uh, we had all these 3D printers running and had borrowed a bunch from other partners, Bethany Library and some individuals, and, and the list goes on. And just kind of had a little factory system, you know, churning out a few thousand of these over a couple of weeks. We supplied a few thousand to OU Medicine, we've supplied a few thousand to Integris. Uh, we've done uh, almost a thousand, to the, over a thousand of the VA system right now, and they're going all over the state. Wow. And not because we're trying to make a business out of this, just the supply chains have broken. And until they get back uh, where they need to be, uh, we're happy to help fill in the gap. We delivered you know, over 100 to Norman Public Schools for their summer programming last week. We'll deliver more next week. And it's just a way that, on a small way, using kind of part of our staffing, 
that we can serve the greater, you know, the Oklahoma community, whether it's central Oklahoma or elsewhere, and just do something that we have a, a opportunity and a skill set and some experience uh, to produce. I need to, and it makes us, it makes us feel good. I mean, it's, it's the feedback we get from doctors is just, and the nurses is really, really fun and, and, and enjoyable. And the dances they show us in the videos when they get something, they <laughs> feel safer and more secure when they're wearing these. Uh, so the, the feedback has just been super positive, but I need to mention one thing that I don't even know if I've talked much with Autumn about this, but uh, Kim Ray has been one of our partners. A lot of our sponsorship comes from Courtney corporate sponsors Mm -hmm. and we ended up working with them and they and they were doing 3d printing with us and we were helping them distribute and they said well a particular uh individual said no there's an old school manufacturing process called injection molding where we could be making instead of you know taking three hours to print one of these frames which is what a 3d printer takes it's not efficient we can do one of these in three or five seconds Mm. just the way they used to and we've you know we've much of that you know we've shipped overseas our country has that kind of processing that kind of manufacturing right. so he spent a couple of weeks developing this and now we've got thousands in a warehouse ready to go through another partnership with baker hughes thousands went to guiana a couple of weeks ago uh that we were able to help with the screens and do some other things and baker hughes has shipped them all over the world and then some of the you know that orders in the thousands are those uh disposable injection molded frames. So that may be more detail that your listeners are interested in, but it's just been really exciting for us uh, as a tiny little player to have a chance to partner with some of these uh, either statewide, nationwide, or global institutions and, and have an impact in a time when there's just a whole lot of uncertainty and need. No, I think that's amazing. I appreciate you sharing that. And, and it's really cool to see, you know, what started as a, a an idea to, like you said, just you know, use use your resources that you have there already to, to print these. It has turned into something where you can produce so many more and help that many more people uh, all in, you know, uh, a matter of a few months. You know, I, I have to imagine that in February, this was not on the radar or, or uh, you know, this was, was not, not something you were planning to do. And here you are having supplied thousands of PPE masks to places all over the country uh it's 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 just an amazing story so have the, are this are the young people that are involved in the program able to assist with this has the pandemic created a scenario where where you can't have them uh in in your facilities helping or or how, how does that all work Oh, that, that's another good question. And, uh, and I want to back up just a little because I think it's worth pointing out that Engage was only one of a lot of groups and organizations that uh, went out to make masks and make other kind of PP to help. I and mean, there's this amazing group of folks, really uh, ad hoc group in Norman that supplied lots of stuff for Norman Regional. And we admire everything that they've done and have tried to you know, mimic all their successes too. So uh, I don't want to at any way imply that there was something unique about what we were doing. I think it had a good impact and it was special. But man, I, I wish I could just take the time to list all the other organizations we're aware of around the state that did something similar. Well, that's, so, that's thank very, you for giving me a That's today. very ki- kind of you and <laughs> humble. And uh, uh, but uh, but that doesn't take away from from what you're what you guys are doing and and giving back. I think it's I think it's great. But but do tell us tell us about how yeah. how things have been sure. impacted and 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 with the students and young people that are involved in the program. Right. Yeah, and that was uh, man, that was a, a tough couple weeks to realize that what we were all about and they're still primarily about engaged learning is uh, face-to-face, you know, hands-on, working with tools, getting dirty, working with technology, uh, figuring stuff out. That was our MO. 
And when we're in an environment where people can't be together, not only our staff can't be together, and we haven't met as a staff since, uh, since before spring break, but working with students, I mean, it was crushing. Mm-hmm. Once we had our whole spring was planned out, the whole summer was planned out, and involved a lot of these in-person uh, projects. Um, quite a few of them would be you know, here in Norman. Uh, we also had a team of three and that Lisa led that was full-time. This is a really exciting partnership for us up at Mark Twain Elementary in Oklahoma City. So they, all the OC, OKCPS schools have new STEM labs as of last summer, and we had a permanent team and this one STEM lab at Mark Twain, and we were working with 250 students a week out of about 400 at that school and having a really powerful impact with those students and also having a great time. And that completely stopped as well. I mean, all the progress the students had made just dropped off. Mm. So uh, in addition to that, we have a tiny house over at Norman High School that uh, high school students have designed and built, and we couldn't work there anymore. We were no longer you know, allowed on that property, which we totally agreed with. But that put us way off track on that progress. Sure. So we've got staff and we've got talent and we've got interested students and we can't meet with them. So what do we do? And yes, to answer maybe the impetus of your question, we were able to get a few students involved in the, the PPE construction and production. But more importantly is how do we reach out to a lot of the elementary school students, OKCPS, okay, Norman, and elsewhere that we had hoped to work with this summer so we came up with an idea of, you know, going virtual is kind of the, the move that many peer organizations have made, but that didn't seem enough for us because we're, how do we have this hands-on component? So we created a STEM kit, what we call the STEM Discovery Kit. It has over $100 worth of gear in it from Makey Makey, you know, electronics and coding equipment to some others. And we were going to have two-hour two camps, I'm going to say, tar- sorry, two-week camps online about 90 minutes a day, but everybody will have this STEM kit in front of them, you know, the 10 or 12 students on the Zoom call for those two weeks with engaged instructors. So it'll be live instruction, but still hands-on. And we could do both. We could find a way to have students working with these tools that we've learned are so powerful for learning uh, some of the basics of uh, coding, design, and electronics, and yet do it in this COVID environment where we don't put anybody's health at, health at risk. And we piloted that a few weeks ago. And on Monday, we start a few teams with Lakeview, a few other teams with MLK up in the city, and we hope to have five or 700 students by the end of the summer have that 15-hour experience, uh, whether they're beginners or intermediate or advanced kids in middle school. So that's kind of the big move that we've made this summer and how we're still able to use, you know, the skill set we think we have and uh, our mission of kind of hands-on learning and yet do it in the COVID environment. Wow. Uh, talk about uh, changing and adapting to, to the circumstances. You guys are, are uh, b- both changing and adapting to, to what, you, what your mission is and what you're supplying and then also how you're, how you're going about it and making sure you can still involve uh, those, those young people and, and teach and have, allow them the opportunities to learn. It it's just sounds like an amazing organization. If somebody were to want to get involved, uh, either uh, participate if they're if you parents are listening and they're and want to get their kids involved, if they're wanting to volunteer in some way, if they're wanting to donate, if they're wanting to partner, what what's the best way to go about that? What do you need? How do they reach you? All that stuff. Sure, I mean that's a, as a director of a nonprofit, it's often been kind of bootstrapped. That's the kind of question I'm. I love to hear. <laughs> uh, the best place <laughs> the best place to find out what we're doing is probably. 
our Facebook page. Uh, we've got um, a new website that's coming on. There is one out there and you can go check it out and there's ways to, to get in touch with us. And my email, direct email is there. So folks can email me uh, if they want to find a way for their students to be involved. Uh, this summer, uh, we've put up some things on the Facebook that folks can respond to if they want to be part of these camps. We try to keep costs super low and we're also looking for sponsors for different schools. Uh, I need to put a plug in. OEC has sponsored Lakeview students, for example. Mm-hmm. So they're getting full scholarships to be part of this for two weeks. And we're incredibly grateful for that. We've got some neat partnerships uh, with OKCPS, with different schools up there, and particularly Title I schools uh, where students uh, don't necessarily have these kind of opportunities in the summer. That's where we really see the gains from uh, our relationship with those students. The gains grow dramatically in their learning and their excitement about school. Uh, but if, uh, so there's a way to contact us either through Facebook Messenger, through giving me a phone call, my number's there, email, that's there too. As far as uh, community sponsors, send a kid to camp. I mean, that's probably the easiest thing to do in a time when so many camps aren't opening, probably by next week, so it may be by the time this airs, there'll be an opportunity to, uh, to donate uh, to send a student to camp, give them a chance to work with these kinds of tools and maybe have that experience where, oh my gosh, I can do this stuff. And especially, especially for young women, maybe second grade, third grade, to realize that technology is not just for boys, that they are at least as good and often and then many times far better uh, at working out some of these problems than their peer boy students are. I mean, if we can help with those kind of moments, man, that's something we're excited about too. And our partnership with the Girl Scouts of Western Oklahoma, we think we've seen so much progress and just so so many excited young women who think of themselves now as uh, folks who are going to go into STEM careers. But one thing that is not on the webpage uh-huh. is uh, kind of a huge array of projects over the next three years uh, that we've been in conversation with Norman Public Schools about is uh, we did a playground project at Lincoln Elementary a couple of years ago, where during the school year, we worked uh, with the entire fifth grade to design and then over the course of the next year, actually construct uh, significant playground equipment for their playground. So there's a 16-foot rocket that was designed by students. There's a launch pad for that rocket. There's all kind of really cool stuff um, that students designed and then helped build out there. We did something similar last year with Roosevelt Elementary. And uh, a really neat twist there, and this was uh, the principal's idea, Tiffany's idea, and Christy Hartman's idea, was to have the fourth graders design equipment that had some sort of STEM-related theme, and it was interpretable and usable by preschool and first graders, kindergarten and first graders. So that's out there, and that's being uh, finally finished up this summer, but that's all installed over at Roosevelt Elementary. So the big idea is how can we do this with every elementary school in Norman? And uh, we think we've, we can do this. Uh, we want, we're looking for Norman support for the first couple, and then we'll be on foundation grants and national grants after Uh, But this fall, it'll be Washington Elementary and Lakeview Elementary. We'll be working with all those students, uh, probably in the fourth or fifth grade, um, depending on the school, to design. And then over the next fall and summer, uh, pick out one of those designs and then install it. So that's just been a really neat long-term project we have with Norman. And for this, like I said, the first year, we are looking looking for local support for that uh, before we go on uh, statewide support. 
just um, just the, I feel like uh, you you just keep shocking me with with these these, these new things and, and and more and more and more and when I think you're finally done talking about all the awesome stuff you're doing you throw another one uh, another one out me, at me I I have exhausted my list of questions um, but I also don't want to cut you off is there is there anything else awesome that you're doing that you want to take this opportunity to share with us. <laughs> well, this is where I start making things up. So, <laughs> now I, it's just been really rewarding and, and kind of surprising. And I guess I don't have a chance to like this to talk about the different things we're involved in. And so it, I can understand how it might be a little overwhelming. I, I sometimes feel that way myself. But the reality is that uh, what I think we've done and been able to do uh, has an impact. And students get excited about learning and they say things like, and it's very anecdotal and we're starting to get a lot of um, research documentation on this, working with some folks over at uh, the ed ed school at OU. But the anecdotal impact is, man, I I think differently now, or I feel like I can do anything now, or I can't wait to go back to school because that summer project was so amazing, or I don't want to miss uh, winter break or because of, I don't want to miss STEM class for elementary school kids, or I don't want a snow day because I don't want to miss STEM class. Right. So, uh, so we just try to do more. I mean, that's part of, I think every nonprofit deals with the same challenges that when you find something that you think works and it doesn't not work for everybody and it's not a hundred percent, but overall generally powerful and effective, then you just want to do more and, and it can be exhausting and it can be risky, on the financial side sometimes, and it takes a lot of faith and hope, but uh, yeah, we just want to keep pushing. Um, because ultimately, I mean, we've got a, a whole, there's so many students out there and we're never going to be able to reach all of them. Uh, but we think if we can keep showing both with in Norman and OKC and then all the professional development work we do with teachers and OKCPS, that there is another way and it is possible for anybody uh, to do this and then empower them and give them the tools to do so that we can transform how education and especially how learning is thought about at those levels uh, in Oklahoma. And, and that's a mission that I'm happy to spend the next 30 years of my life behind. Well, it's just, it sounds like an, uh, just an amazing organization and, and one that uh, I, I feel uh, I feel a little ignorant being in Norman for as long as I have, and I was not uh, aware of it. So uh, I, I was thrilled to have you on, on to talk about it. Uh, I, 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 before I let you go, I, you know, we, we've talked a lot about Engage. We, we touched on you as an individual at the, at the outset. Uh, it's, you've, been, you've been some really cool places. Uh, you said Duke, and uh, you spent some time at Duke, you in Virginia, D.C. Um, we talked about what you love about Norman and a question I, I love to get out of people, and I'm going to expand it uh, to where you're from as well. Um, where is your favorite place in Norman to grab a bite to eat, and what do you love to get there? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I got to tell you, uh, my appetite's are often driven by a five-year-old and a seven-year-old uh, because <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> and fortunately a lot of times that we find some alignment so uh, i'll get a plug to just last night i mean we got uh, i picked up a couple pies from uh notorious pie oh nice they they love it uh and and that's a favorite of theirs but i gotta tell you my favorite place is uh just with both of them on the back deck, having a couple smash burgers on the grill. 
Nice. And that's uh, and uh, we live in a, a neighborhood that everybody's close and just having folks walk by, whether it's down the sidewalk or down the alley and stopping to chat, uh, that just feels like what home should be. So they love it. Uh, I love it. And uh, yeah, that's uh, I know we're not opening up the, the grill on the back to the public just yet, but maybe someday. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's uh, if you want to find us and the weather's decent, that's where we're going to be. Well, I, won't, I won't ask you for your address so people aren't just showing up uh, for, <laughs> with, with a plate in their hands ready for, ready for a burger. I, I hope we can do that someday. That's actually a secret, uh, a secret wish, but we'll see if that ever happens. Um, so what about back home? Are you, are you there, you, you're, you're from uh, you, Durham has, I, I think one of the, is the, the food there is, is, is amazing. Anything pop in your mind, either in Durham or in D.C., those areas that you really miss that you can't find around here? Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, it's been a long time since – it feels like even longer since I've been to Durham. I do remember there were a couple places. It's more of a dish than a place, mm-hmm. uh, but it is uh, – shrimp and grits is yeah. something that we would find a lot down there. If I saw it on the menu, uh, I wouldn't even look at anything else. So that's usually <laughs> where I would head out. Uh, and uh, and certainly tried to learn how to you know make that on my own, and I don't think I ever got there uh, to the level that we had experienced. And then I think D.C. My goodness, I mean that's such a remarkable food scene there. And I'm by no means a foodie. And 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 when we do go again, I'm still uh, driven by the passions of a, a five and seven year old. <laughs> so sure. often I will say something that I hope would make it here. And this is going to sound super narrow, uh, but they've got a Shake Shack, and I think a lot anyone who's traveled a little bit is probably. Yeah. I've been to a Shake Shack before, but uh, those guys have figured it out. Um, And Danny Meyer just knows what he's doing there. So I don't think we've ever been in the last, you know, since we moved that we haven't stopped by uh, the local Shake Shack and picked up um, some burgers and, uh, yeah, milkshakes and all that good stuff. So, yeah, that and uh, we were delighted. Five Guys was actually, they started right around the corner from where I grew up, and those guys were about my age. So we were delighted to find one of those. Uh, yeah. and they went national around here. So, uh, yeah, the, the narrowness comes down to burgers and hot dogs. I'm pretty <laughs> uh, not exactly a foodie thing, but I got to tell you, you can spend a lot of money on a meal, but nothing beats a, a perfectly done burger. You know, I the you were talking about D.C. and the food there. I was in D.C. a couple summers ago, and it was, believe it or not, the best Reuben sandwich I've ever had in my life. I had uh, just outside D.C. in the neighborhood on King Street. Where is that at Alexandria? I can't remember what what suburb we. <laughs> it were is. In. It's it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, just after we were married, we lived right off King Street, and oh. talk about a street where you can easily spend your paycheck <laughs> on, on going out to eat. That was a dangerous place to live, man. It was a whole lot of fun and just, uh, but wow, what a delightful, delightful little town. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's such a cool, cool area. And this was just a hole in the wall dive. I don't even know if they had a sign out. It was, it was, it was so, so tiny. We went in and I was like, I'm getting a Reuben. And it was just, it was phenomenal. Uh, uh, but, uh, and, and speaking of, you know, what you wanted to, your the other things you mentioned, the, um, I, I don't think there's a, a place in, in Norman where you can probably find shrimp and grits, but if, if Hal Smith, the, the, who, who runs so many of the restaurants around here is listening, I, I recommend he adds shrimp and grits. And then also uh, he, he figured out a way to bring Shake Shack here, uh, to Norman as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, somebody has got to give Mr. Meyer a call. And so I bet there's, a, there's probably a market here for something yeah, like that. I bet. Um, I bet. Well, Bart, yeah. it's been it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much uh, for sharing your time, and and thank you for for everything you're doing with Engage Learning for for the people of Norman. It's it just uh, it's it's been a pleasure talking to you.
Yeah, well, thank you, Zach. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, if if, uh, if if we can ever do anything for you again, and we'd love to have you back on the show, if there's uh, ever a, a new initiative you're starting, uh, just reach out. Uh, love love to have you back. And to all our listeners, uh, if you'd like to follow uh, this podcast, you can do so on Twitter, Instagram, uh, or Facebook by searching I am Norman Pod. Uh, and to all of you, thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned for many more episodes to come. The I Am Norman podcast is brought to you by The Hall at the Railhouse, Norman's premier event space and the heart of downtown. When all of this is said and done and life gets back to normal, the one thing we'll all be looking to do is celebrate with our friends and families. Weddings, receptions, corporate events, luncheons, banquets, proms, parties, and more. If you're looking for a place to celebrate life, we hope you'll choose The Hall at the Railhouse. For more information, please visit therailhousenorman.com or call 405-778-0003. I Am Norman is sponsored in part by Old Hat Creative. Old Hat is a strategic marketing and branding firm located right here in downtown Norman. From websites, corporate identity, graphic design, video production, and more, Old Hat can help any organization achieve their marketing goals. For more information, visit oldhatcreative.com or email info at oldhatcreative.com. Sit side by side in every class. Teacher thinks that I sound funny, but she likes the way you sing. Tonight I'll dream while I'm in bed when silly thoughts go through my head about the bugs and alphabet. And when I wake tomorrow, I'll bet that you and I will walk together again. I can tell that we are gonna be friends.